Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's, or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon, or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. Well, none of you called me out on it, but I had a major omission in the last episode talking about selecting the top 75 all-time NBA greats in conjunction with the league's 75th anniversary. I neglected to note that my oversight additions didn't just include 6'8 center Neil Johnston, a six-time All-Star, three-time league scoring champion, and NBA champ with the 1956 Philadelphia Warriors, but also Dominique Wilkins, an 11-time All-Star known as the human highlight film, primarily for the Atlanta Hawks. Of the players left off the all-time 50 greatest list, no one has received more universal acclaim from players, coaches, and fans alike that he deserved to be on it more than Dominique. So now he is, at least on the all-time 75. As I mentioned in the last episode as well, the addition of Johnston and Wilkins, or as I intended to mention in the last episode, along with Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, and LeBron James, the three biggest no-brainers to be part of any all-time list going forward, that brings the total for this year's top 75 selection to 55, leaving 20 spots to be divided between the 91-92 to 05-06 era and the 06-07 to 2021 era. For those who didn't catch the last episode, I am proposing that the league select 15 players from five 15-season eras to reach 75 in this, 
the 75th anniversary of the league. I have included all 50 of the previously selected all-time greatest, which were part of the 50th anniversary celebration. Adding Johnston to the first era from 46-47 to 60-61, and Wilkins to the 76-77 to 90-91 era. Wilkins, for those who may not know, was the third pick of the 1982 draft, played 15 seasons, finished with a career average of 24.8 points and 6.7 rebounds, and retired as the most acrobatic and ferocious two-footed dunker the NBA has ever seen. No offense to David Thompson or Daryl Dawkins. Kobe and Tim were added to the 91-92 to 05-06 era, bringing the total, combined with those from the 50 all-time greatest, to nine. Those are Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley, John Stockton, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and David Robinson. This episode is going to be dedicated to identifying the remaining six for that era. And then we'll move on to selecting the remaining 14 for the last era, the first spot already being awarded to LeBron. Again, as I also noted in the last episode, I composed a list of 30-some names for the last 20 spots. And I did it by looking at league MVP winners and all NBA team members. The candidates for those 91-92 to 05-06 spots are Dirk Nowitzki, Jason Kidd, Reggie Miller, Kevin Garnett, Allen Iverson, Chauncey Billups, Vince Carter, Gary Payton, Yao Ming, Steve Nash, and Ray Allen. If I've forgotten someone, I will mention them because I'm going to go through all of them a little bit later to pare this down. This points up exactly why having eras, though, is so vital to being fair, particularly for someone like me, whose career covering the league coincides with the last two eras. I have not included several players I know and covered intimately, beginning with the Warriors' run TMC of Tim Hardaway, Chris Mullen, and Mitch Richmond. Leaving someone like Mullen out as a member of the Dream Team, five-time All-Star, and one of the league's all-time great shooters is admittedly gut-wrenching, but in looking at the competition, I just couldn't justify it. This is going to be hard enough as is. So let's first look at the league MVPs up for consideration. There's Garnett, Iverson, Nash, a two-time winner, and Nowitzki. If we automatically added those four, it would leave two spots. I can't even begin to do it that way because if there's anyone worthy among all of them, it's actually Jason Kidd, who finished second to Duncan in the 2 MVP race with 45 first-place votes to Duncan's 57. Now, that wasn't the closest MVP race, but it gives you an idea of just how Kidd was regarded. He was a nine-time all-defensive team pick and a six-time all-NBA choice, making first team five times, including four years in a row. Throw in five league assist titles and one steals title, along with leading, and I do mean leading, the New Jersey Nets to -to back-to-back NBA finals, and then finally winning a ring as the starting point guard 
team leader in assists and steals and playing 80 games at the ripe age of 37 for the Dallas Mavericks. And he has to be the 10th player added to the 91-92-05-06 era. Which now means five spots remain. Let's consider Garnett next. 21-year career. 15 all-star selections. Another one of the all-time great two-way players at his position. 12 all-defensive team selections. Nine times as an all-NBA choice. Four rebounding titles. And as I mentioned, a league MVP and twice finishing second. He was also a champion with the Boston Celtics. He has to be in. And that's the 11th member of the 91-92-05-06 era. Now leaving four spots. One way of looking at this selection process with a 30,000-foot view is to ask, if writing the history of the NBA, who could you not leave out? I believe Iverson and Nowitzki both fall into that category. Iverson was the number one pick in 96, and at 6 feet and 165 pounds at best, was one of the greatest all-time shooting guards. 17-time All-Star. Four scoring titles seven times an All-NBA selection, and a league MVP. But only one trip to the NBA Finals and not one All-Defensive Team selection. He was a pure scorer, but again, one of the most dynamic we've ever seen. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Nowitzki, 14 time All Star. Although the last one was a gratuitous honorary selection the year he retired. And although a lot of pundits say he led the Dallas Mavericks to their 2011 championship, that's not quite accurate. I was there. He struggled in the finals against the Heat, shooting only 41%. It was very much a collective effort. Jason Terry and Kidd carrying him in the first half of the closeout sixth game. While Dirk was going 1 for 12... Terry was scoring 19 off the bench to give Dallas a two-time half, uh, two-point halftime lead. Nowitzki did get it together in the second half, but he still finished a minus four, while Kidd and Sean Marion were a plus 18, and Terry finished as the leading scorer with 27. I don't say any of that to diminish Dirk's greatness, but just to set the record straight. Overall, he was their best player. He just wasn't always their best player. Being the number one seed and getting upset by the We Believe Warriors the year he won league MVP, or losing in the finals to the Miami Heat after winning the first two games of the series, shouldn't be forgotten. In comparing who delivered as a scorer in the clutch, Iverson gets the nod over him in that category. But when it comes to sustained excellence, Nowitzki has few rivals. He was a 12-time All-NBA selection, 
as the first foreign-born player to be the best player on a title-winning team and for revolutionizing the power forward position as one of the first elite stretch fours, he can't be left out. The only question is if we place him in the 91-92 to 05-06 era or we push him to the last one, seeing as he won his title and five of those All-NBA selections in the latter. For now, let's put him in along with Iverson, which leaves us exactly two spots. And that brings us to Nash, the last of the MVPs. The gaping hole in his resume is that he never made it to the NBA Finals, despite being on 12 playoff teams in his 18 seasons and reaching the Western Conference Finals three times. On the other side of the ledger, he's one of only 14 players in league history to win MVP more than once. We're not going to get into the sacrilege that there should be 15 because Kobe Bryant only won it once. Nash, perhaps even more so than Nowitzki, revolutionized the game. It is what we know it to be today because of Nash and the offensive freedom that Mike D'Antoni gave him with the Phoenix Suns in the mid-2000s with the vaunted seven seconds or less philosophy, as in getting up a shot seven seconds or less into the 24-second shot clock. The development of the point guard as a hybrid scorer and playmaker wasn't exactly brand new. Isaiah Thomas was very much that in the late 80s, leading the Pistons to -to back-to-back titles. But Nash and the Suns took it to a new level. Before Steph Curry came along, Nash was the undisputed greatest shooter in the league, posting four 50-40-90 seasons, as in shooting better than 50% overall, 40% or better on threes, and over 90% from the free throw line. Had he made one more free throw in the 06-07 season, he would have had five. Next on the list is Larry Bird, who did it twice. Steph has done it once. Nash damn near shot 50-40-90 for his career at 49% overall, 42% from three, and 90% at the line all while collecting five assist titles and seven All-NBA selections. So Nash gets a spot as well. And that leaves us with one. This is the point where the process gets excruciating. The list of players I had to at least consider include Reggie Miller, Gary Payton, Chauncey Billups, Tracy McGrady, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Vince Carter, and Yao Ming. McGrady, pound for pound, is without question the most talented of all of them. Two scoring titles, seven times All-NBA. But the man never got out of the first round in the playoffs. Can we write the history of the NBA without him? Yes, we can. Paul Pierce has two finals appearances, a ring and a finals MVP as the leading scorer on a championship caliber team but he was never the best player at his position, reflected in four All-NBA selections, but never first team. He had a very, very good career, not an all-time great one. Ray Allen has it over Pearson McGrady for sustained excellence, but outside of his early years in Seattle, he was not the undisputed best player on his team. He has two rings, one with Boston and one with Miami, but he was at best the third option on both of those teams. 
another very, very good career, but not an all-time great. All of which puts him ahead of Reggie Miller, another example of sustained excellence. Unlike Ray, he was the best player on a lot of his Indiana Pacers teams. But as a three-time All-NBA and five-time All-Star with one finals appearance, I'd probably take Ray ahead of him. Not that for this exercise, it really matters. Vince Carter and Yao Ming are only cursory inclusions. Neither had the postseason success to merit more than that. They were more cultural icons. Carter serving as a pivotal figure in the NBA, becoming popular in Canada, and obviously winning the dunk contest as only he could. While Yao changed the way we view players from the Republic of China. A tip of the cap to their contributions, but they're not in the running. Which brings us to Peyton and Billups. Peyton went to three finals, once with Seattle, once with Miami, and once with the Lakers, getting a ring coming off the bench for the Heat. Billups won a ring with the Pistons in 04 and was finals MVP and went to the finals again the following year, but lost to the Spurs in seven games. Peyton was by far the more accomplished point guard overall making nine All-NBA teams to Billups three, and being Defensive Player of the Year in 96. Billups was an outstanding defensive guard, but again, wasn't comparable to Peyton, who was a nine-time All-Defensive selection to Billups receiving that honor twice. I almost feel as if Peyton has become a forgotten man, overshadowed in the 90s by the dominance of Michael Jordan and the Bulls, and John Stockton with the Utah Jazz. But he is not going to be forgotten here. He was, for a good stretch, the best two-way point guard in the league. In the last 33 years, only one guard has been chosen Defensive Player of the Year. In the history of the award, only one point guard ever, Peyton. If you can't write the history of the league without the Seattle Supersonics, then you can't write it without Peyton. So there it is. Another era of 15 all-time greats complete. And now we have to move on to the final era. And it is not going to be any easier, even though we have 14 spots available. But that's it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also did some homework on how the 75th anniversary team is going to be selected, uh, as well as why we have not seen an NBA version of Hard Knocks. That will be in an upcoming episode as well. Just not sure if I'm going to go era or all of that in the next episode. The arrow one might take me a little bit of work, so I may need to push it to next week, but we shall see. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.